As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Work From Your Happy Place, the podcast that equips you with the tools, know-how, and motivation to live your dreams and find your happy place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a recap of the week's guests and a preview of what's in store. To sign up, simply text the word happy place with no space to 33444. Now, it's my pleasure to introduce the host of Work From Your Happy Place, Belinda Ellsworth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Work From Your Happy Place. I'm your host, Belinda Ellsworth, and I'm so excited about our guest today. I have Sarah McElroy with me, and I think you're really going to enjoy this interview as it is very timely where so many of us are today in the workspace. So Sarah is a former hustle culture devotee and ex-chief marketing officer who became the Wall Street Journal's poster girl for pandemic career burn out after getting shingles in early 2021 and deciding to hit the life reset button. It is my pleasure to welcome Sarah to our show today. Thank you so much, Belinda. So great to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. This is such a big topic is obviously is burnout, but so many people during the pandemic have just decided I don't want to live this life I've been living and they're making different choices. And some people feel stuck and don't know how to move on to new choices. So I'm really um, looking forward to our conversation today. Yes, most definitely. So well said. It is a a true inflection point as far as the way we approach work as a holistic workforce. And as we're renegotiating how we fit careers into our lives and determine exactly the right way to work for each of us individually, it's it can be a tough thing to navigate. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So why don't you just fill in the gaps of the bio a little bit and let our listeners get to know you and who you are and tell us a little bit about the journey of what got you where you are today. And then we'll dive in with some other great advice for our listeners. Sure. Most definitely. Well, I was the quintessential corporate good girl and really the good girl all my life. I've followed all the rules. I did all the right things. I checked all the boxes and I wore my ability to outwork anyone as a badge of honor. And in 2020, I landed a new role as a CMO for a small 
private equity backed company that was scaling nationally. And I was also juggling an executive MBA program at the time. And between the two and keeping all of the plates spinning between the responsibilities that I had at both work and in my school program, I started working up to 20 hours a day. Now, not every single day, but just really unsustainable. And it was starting to show up as a problem physically. I had a couple of episodes of throwing up blood that landed me in the ER, but I just felt like I had to keep going because other people were losing their jobs in the midst of the pandemic. And I thought if I just hang on through graduation, it'll get better and I'll be okay. Well, it's a funny thing that even after graduation, I ended up getting shingles in April of 2021. And I had this moment of very (laughs) clear awakening in the doctor's office when I'm told that I have shingles and I'm going to have to take eight days off from work, but like a total of 10 days off out of the office. Uh, to recover from shingles. And I just am overcome with this sense of relief and I'm overjoyed. And it's because I had a socially acceptable reason to hit pause and I wasn't going to have to work. They they couldn't say anything about me being out. You know, I was the youngest member on the executive team and I was treated as the, the kid's sister most of the time, sometimes even worse. And so I never wanted to show them any kind of weakness. I wanted mm-hmm. to prove that I deserved to have a seat at the table and I was never going to really raise my hand and say, I can't can't do this anymore. So it felt like such a gift to have this like mini shingles sabbatical. But I have have so much compassion and I'm so proud of that version of me because as I'm leaving the doctor's office, it's like, okay, Sarah, this is definitely not the right response or an appropriate response to learning that you have a medical condition that could potentially result in paralysis or blindness at its very worst. And it was just like, okay, we're, you've worked so hard to create this perfect on paper life or really this perfect on paper resume, but this isn't living. And so I ended up quitting that job at the day that I was like my last day out from shingles. I called uh, my boss at the time and turned in my resignation letter. I also landed a new job down in Florida. I moved from, I was in Atlanta. So really in the hustle and bustle of the city for that CMO job, but moved down to Florida by the beach, new job, fresh start, hitting the yoga mat, doing meditation, all of the things and really cutting back on overworking, being very smart about my boundaries. And it was like this nascently healing burnout wound that I had was just not completely healing and I couldn't figure out why. And that was during the time that the Wall Street Journal picked up my story and I did an article and a podcast for them. And you'll hear at the end of the podcast, you know, Sarah finding more peace and a slower piece of life on the water. And all of that was true. But what I didn't come to understand about burnout and chronic stress is that it is not just the pace with which we're working or the amount of hours that we're putting into work. It is really about toxic cultures too. And that's why Mm -hmm. I got shingles months after pairing back my work work hours and after graduation. And then I'm still struggling down here because I was in a really misogynistic culture and was dealing with some sexually harassing comments that were made that were not addressed for months. So I eventually left that job as well, (laughs) becoming a two-time member of the Great Resignation class of 2021 and class. 2022. 
And yes, it has been a journey for sure. <laughs> wow. And gosh, like we could dive into so much right there, but let's just continue on this journey. So tell our folks now what you're doing now to serve yes. others. And then we'll we'll dive into being able to give some advice on yes. um, what we could give our listeners. Most definitely. That sounds great. Well, on the other side of quitting the second job, you know, honestly, that job I quit after getting a very uh, cursory uh, investigation readout from when they finally did investigate the sexually harassing comments, like one of them was overheard or one of the comments was overheard by HR in October and nothing was done as far as an investigation or accountability. So I kept pushing for resolution. Finally, at the end of January, they did do an investigation, but it was just such a, in my opinion, at least a performative farce of an investigation. I HR put an hour on my calendar to give me a readout of the investigation. And she reads back to me, uh, four minutes worth of a lot of legal boilerplate as far as like this uh, organization is committed to providing a professional work environment for everyone. And we have open door policy and you know this, but it's uh, this has to be kept confidential. And I got off the phone and I was just like, I cannot do this. I cannot walk back into that organization tomorrow unless it is handing in my resignation letter and my laptop. Because at that point, I'm just like, my voice has not been heard. I've been beating the same drum for months. I don't feel like I'm valued in this organization. There's no accountability for this person who's been doing these things. I'm going to walk. And so that night I drafted this blistering anti-harassment resignation letter because I'm upset not only for me, but the Mm -hmm. other women in the organization. So it's like power of women's voices. You know, this is unconscionable behavior. Like I'm done immediately. And so I actually sent that the next morning. I took my laptop into the office and like (laughs) my finger is shaking over the send button because I've never done anything like this before, Belinda. Like I said, I was the good girl. And I hit send on the letter. I sent it to HR, my boss and the CEO. And I walked out the door with no two weeks notice. So I say all that to explain that I was like, I was so empowered and so felt so liberated and so strong because I've never used my voice in that way before. Part of the good good girl playbook is not rocking the boat and staying small. And so like, I feel just so strong from all of that. But of course, on the other side of that euphoria, it's like, oh my God, what have I done? Who am I? It's like, I've broken (laughs) the good girl version of Sarah. Who is this? And so that was really though, what inspired me to talk to other women? Because it was like, I cannot be the only woman who is experiencing this kind of thing of being mired in these spin cycles of burnout and discontent and, you know, gender inequity in the workplace and things like that. Like there are millions of other women walking right now with the great resignation. What are their stories, their breaking points, the defining moments that are leading them to seek greater opportunity? So I founded Raise to Rise, which is a journalism project and a movement amplifying powerful voices and stories from women of the great resignation. What was the name of that? Raise to Rise. Okay. All right. And so uh, tell us a little bit more about that. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, it's been an incredible journey. I've been speaking with women and hearing about what has led them to either leave a job and start their own business, leave a job and move to another corporate role, just really trying to understand, knowing we hear all the time about the great resignation, right? And all the numbers, the the stats of more than 4 million people a month exiting or leaving their jobs, I guess, the quit rate essentially. And it was like, 
I have a journalism background from way, way back in the day. Like that's my undergraduate degree. And I've been in marketing and PR really ever since college. But it was like, these are each unique individual stories. These are not just data points laddering up to these Mm -hmm. big numbers splashed across the, the internet. Like these are really deeply personal experiences and decisions that people are making that are part of this. And so I've been capturing stories, not only for a website, that's where some of them are shared, which is raisedtorise.com. And then I'm also, they're feeding into a broader book that is beyond the great resignation. I've also interviewed women who are, are still in jobs and feeling stuck because to your point of how you started our conversation, that's a huge part of the puzzle here too, is that yes, we can see women and others making bold leaps and making these moves in their careers that inspire us but still feel like that's not accessible to us. So I've been talking to those women to understand what is holding them back, Mm -hmm. as well as women who made big leaps prior to the Great Resignation who now have more space in between their bold move and the present to gaze back with hindsight and share wisdom and insights. And so it's all becoming a broader book to help women unlock the power of walking away in their careers. Wow. I know. I I'm real tired of listening to people on the counter side of this say, people are just lazy. They don't want to work. It's like, I'm so tired of hearing that statement. It's like, no, people aren't lazy. People are sick and tired of being treated horrible. Yes. Belinda, I love that you said that because the Women in the Workplace report for 2022 just came out a a few weeks ago, and that's done each year by McKinsey and Lean In. And they're calling it the great breakup for that very reason. And I say the same thing too, Belinda, when people ask me about that, you know, the great resignation has this misconception that people are just quitting and not doing anything. Of all the women I've interviewed, I've never, I've not yet found a woman who, within my data set, who has done just that. Even the women who are uh, doing more of like taking more time to take care of their kids at home, they're still working on the sides. But that report found the exact same thing too. And the the CEO of uh, of Lean In said, you know, unequivocally, like this is not about women not wanting to work. This is the great breakup, and women are breaking up with un tenable workplaces because they're tired of toxic cultures and discrimination and harassment and being passed over for promotions and having to do more of the unpaid, unrecognized labor in the office, like DE&I work and office housework, like ordering lunches and taking notes and women are just done. So I love that you brought that to bear. Thank you so much because it is, when people say that message and perpetuate it, it does us all a real disservice and distracts. It becomes a red herring from the legitimate conversation that needs to be had that people across the board are unhappy. Like more than 50% of women per a Deloitte survey earlier this year want to quit their jobs in the next two years. And that skyrockets to 90% on a five-year horizon. Only 10% of women intend to be with their current employer in five years. Like those are sound the alarm numbers. Let's not talk about people not wanting to work. Let's talk about how we make workplaces better so that women want to stay. Absolutely. It's it's really interesting because when I first started this show, it worked from your happy place. It was like, okay, it is about loving what you do. And so then everyone took it to, oh, you have to be self-employed. And mm, then yes. as, I, as I've continued the show, it's like, no, we interview people that are working from their happy place, but we're also interviewing businesses and CEOs that are creating a culture 
that allow other people to work from their happy place. There's plenty of people that don't want to be self-employed, don't want to follow the entrepreneurial path. They're just happy to, you know, do the job that they enjoy doing. Yes. But they don't want to be devalued. They want to be in a place where if I have to take off the afternoon because my son is sick, I don't want to be ridiculed for it. I don't want to be made to feel shame in it and that I'm going to fear for my job because I have to put my child first. Exactly. It's so well said. Uh, Belinda, like we have the same conversations because I say the same thing too. The mom project found that when they looked at the 10 key success drivers for women in the workplace. Number one is flexibility. And it's exactly what you talked about, being able to take care of what it is I need to take care of and not feel guilty about it. And number two is the respect piece of the puzzle, which is like respecting me as a woman who has earned a seat at the table, but also the fact that if I have kids that's a really important part of who I am. I am not just this professional facade. I don't want to have to hide or compartmentalize that part of my life or feel guilty. Like I want to be a whole person in the workplace. So I love that so much. And so many women too have also said the same thing to me as far as like, entrepreneurship, that sounds terrible to me. Like some women really feel that way because it is, it's like, it's a lot of uncertainty and stress and uh, it can feel really not good to certain types of personalities or, you know, the way we're wired if we're less risk averse. And that is more than okay. This movement is about finding work that works for you, whatever that looks like. And I just love that you were an early champion of that. That makes me so happy. Absolutely. And now it's just really, it's it's just blown up since yes. this great resignation. And I think companies better start taking some ownership in the culture that they create in the work environment that they uh, provide, because otherwise they're going to be losing more people, like you're saying, in droves. It's like people are saying, I'm not going to take it anymore. That is exactly what it, women specifically are saying. Yes. Exactly. Women are, so to put it at scale, women are walking out at the highest rate that that women in the workplace report has recorded since its inception in 2015. And the gap between women and men leaving in leadership is the biggest it's ever been. To put it at scale, the report says for every woman promoted into director level ranks or above, two are leaving the company, which is creating a what the lean-in CEO calls a disastrous pipeline situation because there are already, women are already underrepresented in leadership, especially women of color or those who don't fit heteronormative boxes. And like if we're losing women walking out faster than we can promote them, it really will have a long-term impact on the ability of these companies to create really diverse, inclusive, equitable cultures. Absolutely. So let's let's give a little bit of advice to some of our listeners. I'm sure we've got some women out there that are saying, right on, <laughs> I, I, I just need to have be brave. I need to just be able to take that step. So how do you know when a job is taking more than it's giving and it's time to quit? Yes. Great question. I've had this question myself many times where I've second-guessed myself. So here's the one thing that shocked me from my conversations with women from Four Rays to Rise, that as I'm asking women how they made the decision to leave, they all told me, the red thread running through all the conversations, 
in some way, shape, or form. They talked about just knowing it was time to go. And for me and my good girl brain, (laughs) the brain that has been taught like logic, rationality, pragmatism in our careers, you know, like linear path, climb the ladder, pull Mm -hmm. down fatter paychecks, chase fancier titles. It was like, wait, are we all making decisions from more of this place of gut instinct? Is this like irresponsible? What is happening here? But then I realized too, that that was really what had happened to me as well. I just knew, like, if you were to think logically, like, on paper, a CMO job is an amazing opportunity for someone who's never been a CMO. And I left at 10 months. That doesn't look great on my resume. That's not logical or rational from that standpoint. But I just knew when I had to walk away. So first, I want to say that we do just know when a job is taking more than it's giving. And it shows up in a couple of different ways. We'll feel it from the standpoint of feeling like disillusioned, perhaps trapped, disengaged, feeling like we've settled. And it will also show up, it can show up like emotionally with irritability and lack of energy, feeling like we want to socially isolate. And then we can have physical symptoms too that pop up if we don't listen to that knowing over an extended period of time. So me, that was those episodes of throwing up blood and shingles. So what I will say is that like we can get really confused with when we feel that need to walk away Sometimes, yes, of course, we're going to have a bad day and, you know, things won't be going well at work, you know, maybe even for a longer season, maybe it's a quarter or something like that. But if we look at on balance and see like, okay, if we like the bulk of the job and it seems like there's something we could address here, like to have a conversation about flexibility or to address a conflict with a coworker, we want to give that a shot and see if those things pan out first more than you know, that's a more than noble uh, endeavor to do that. But if we find out that we can't fix those things, we've been feeling these feelings of rumbling as far as emotional and physical symptoms and just knowing that it's not working, that's the time to honor it. And that's where I think sometimes it's just really hard for us to let go. Our society often demonizes quitting, you know, like it's a, it's been seen historically as kind of a weak giving up, waving the white flag sort of a Mm -hmm. thing. But I believe it is a really empowering move that we use intentionally at points in our careers when we just know we've hit that place. I'll also say too, that if it's coming from like a very frenetic energy, like, ah, I just have to leave like right now. That's one thing that's usually kind of a top layer. The, the more intuitive gut instinct of walking away will be if you get quiet and still, and you can kind of get out of the chaos and you tap into that feeling and you think to yourself, what in your body, what it feels like to think about leaving versus what it thinks or what it feels like to think about staying, you'll actually feel a difference in your body. So if it's the right move to walk away, you may feel more of like expansion and openness and that will feel good in your body versus if you're staying and it's the wrong thing to stay, you can feel like a contraction or your your body is kind of tightening. That's actually your nervous system feeling like it needs to go into fight or flight. So it's an amazing thing just how brilliant our bodies are and this deeper knowing that we can tap into that I believe we as women are reclaiming as part of the great resignation, but we've never been taught these things before. Wow.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So let's talk about how to navigate this. You created a six-stage process of quitting your job, including how to prepare for that. So would you like to share that with our listeners? I would love to. This is actually the roadmap that emerged from those conversations with dozens of women who had walked away. And I found that thematically, we all go through this six-stage process. The first is rumbling, and that is those symptoms of, of kind of like that physical feeling that something's not right. We're starting to see the misalignment and the kind of the cracks and fissures in our work situation. Perhaps we've just moved beyond the honeymoon stage or it can last for a while. Then we get to that that knowing place. And that is really when we have that realization, okay, this is not going to work for me. I'm going to have to walk away. And it can be really like that accepting. I'm not going to be able to change what is causing me grief here because we as women too, as, as far as being conditioned to be more of the caregivers and to suppress our own needs and desires and to look out for others first and be fixers, we can often feel like it's incumbent upon us to make these things work. And sometimes we do just have to get to a place of surrendering and letting go. That's uh, the second step in that knowing there. Then we move into the third step, which is decision. And that is where you're making that mental commitment to walk away. But you're also doing a number of other things. You are figuring out what that next move looks like from a much more conscious place than perhaps we've ever done before in our careers. Like I will be the first to raise my hand that and say that I, if a great opportunity came my way, I would be, I would jump at it because it was like, well, they want me. Why would I pass that up? I might as well without really thinking about things like values and how they align my personal values and the company's values and the people I was interviewing with. How do all those align? Work style and lifestyle. You know, how many hours do I want to be working? How flexible are they? All of these things that come together to figure out like if we're really going to move beyond the pre-pandemic 
economic paradigm of career being in a hub and spoke model, career being like the center of the of our universe, and the rest of our lives just kind of having to fit in around it. That's been a lot of the expectation from corporate environments. I mean, like, let's, let's take a look even at Twitter with Elon Musk coming in and him pulling off rest days, for example, off the calendar, like that's been a lot of that pre pandemic paradigm. But now if we're shifting, and we're saying, okay, more holistically, career is going to be a spoke, and who I am as a human and my personal life is going to be more in the middle, we have to think about those things that we want and understand what our greatest priorities are as we find that next job. So we're figuring all that out with our decision and we're mapping out our exit strategy, uh, our timing for making our move. We want to be as stable as we can be in other aspects of our lives when we make a big career or change or leap of any kind. Uh, and that's like finances, health, mm-hmm. our personal relationships, even feeling really good as far as if like faith is a part of what um, we we believe in, whatever that looks like, because those things, having a more stable cliff <laughs> to leap from uh, across the board makes it easier for us to navigate a big change in that one aspect of our lives, which is our career. Then action becomes when we actually turn in our resignation letter and sever our relationship with our employer. We're taking the steps to execute on that exit strategy uh, and plan for our next move that we've mapped out in decision. Then we find the last two stages are after effects and assimilation. And these are really key because after effects, this is where we find the consequences of the decision we've made. And those are good, bad, and ugly. And I think we forget about that sometimes. Like if a job, the next job we take doesn't turn out exactly as we wanted it to, or we quit the job and other people don't understand and they have negative reactions, like all of that can make us feel really unsettled and we can feel like we're falling or we're failing, but that's more than okay. Really, we're not. What we're coming to see is that this process of making a job change is just like the rest of our lives which is, you know, completely marked by peaks and valleys and lots of twists and turns. It's not a linear sort of a thing. And we're given these gifts and lessons that come out of this experience, even if we don't 100% love where we land, we learn how we can pivot what we want more of next and what we don't want in the future in that final stage of assimilation. And that's where we conduct a bit of a personal retrospective. And we come to see, regardless of what that full outcome was, like I said, maybe new job isn't great or that new business we're going to need to tweak some things or change our niche or whatever it might be, we come to see that we've grown stronger, more resilient, more more adaptable on the other side. We have flexed that risk-taking muscle. We're going to be able to flex it better in the future. And we're closer to architecting careers of greater fulfillment that are aligned with who we are because we made conscious decisions along the way, even if this one step is just a stepping stone. Wow. So I think that was all great. Thank you so much. That was just really amazing. And I'm sure it's going to be very helpful. So when people, they, they leave a job. So in many cases, they have to find another job because they're going to need that extra income 
to help support their family. Definitely. So they're now going to start this interview process. How does one sort of find that right fit and not fall right back into the same trap? Totally. Oh my gosh, I love this question so much. And this is one of those things, Belinda, where we can only do so much, right? Unless we are a person on the inside of the organization working for that exact team that we're going to be joining, it's really hard to know Mm -hmm. exactly how it's going to fit. And that is more than okay too. That's why with After Effects, we want to be prepared to to have things turn out differently than we had hoped or expected. But what uh, what I do love is I was I was speaking with one woman and she was tell- talking to me about her interview process and how she will ask certain questions that speak to like the culture and the values of the organization. And it's one thing, right? Like we all have been to organizations or been a part of them or uh, have heard of them espousing these lofty values, but mm-hmm. they're like really wallpaper. Paper. They're not enacted. So as much as you can and ask questions during that interview about how the those cu- uh, cultural values are operationalized, how they show up, like what does respect mean to you all here in that organization? Now, of course, you can still get lip service, but I think it's really helpful to probe on those things to actually find out how they're brought to life and even ask questions about work-life balance and how much people are realistically working or talk about the things that are important to you and your personal life and see how people respond. It's been an interesting thing too, where like I, I was talking with another woman who had a uh, a stint on her resume that didn't look as, as great to a recruiter. And the recruiter said to her, like, instead of you, you know, uh, just trying to like, tell this story a little bit better because it's actually a story that's on the on the internet because it was something that was picked up in the news. She's like, you should pay somebody to uh, get the news kind of cleaned up off the internet because it was a harassment issue she had experienced too. And she was like, well, you know what? That actually tells me that that's probably not the right place for me Like because this woman is saying that she thinks I'm going to be a problem in this organization. So it's, it's tough, Belinda, but what we can do is start to discern, look for the nuance in the way that those questions are answered to to feel into again feeling in your body like feel into does this feel like these people are walking the walk and not just talking the talk? Okay. So Sarah, everyone has their own superpowers. That's what I like to call them. They're skill sets, but they really are our superpowers that have helped us navigate our way through business and life. And what have you identified as yours? I think my two are resilience and curiosity. Resilience, because I'm I'm the kind of person that when I'm heading in a direction and I get a door closed in my face as we all inevitably do. It's just part of life (laughs) and being a human. I am a person who will then look for the side window or the back door or whatever it is to figure out if there's still a way to make whatever that thing is happen. And it's, you know, sometimes we are wholly redirected and can't keep going in a certain direction, but I've certainly become a person that wants to always exhaust the options uh, to see if things are possible because that's, I think where we build a lot of strength and curiosity just in always learning and trying to become better at not just my work, but also as a human, because I think I lived, if I'm really honest, Belinda, I lived the first 30 
36 years of my life, according to the good girl playbook, what other people wanted of me and expected from my life. And without being really curious and asking questions about what my own definition of success is, what matters to me, what I want, and what beliefs around sort of the modern day zeitgeist with hustle culture and things like that, what do I actually believe in versus what is not for me and what I'm going to choose not to subscribe to? Like all of that has been really important as part of my journey, uh, jumping into doing my own thing now. I just, I, I, as I'm sitting here listening to you different times, I'm like, you need to write a book on breaking the good girl code <laughs> because um, it is, it is so hard. I, I know throughout my career, I, I kind of always been the one to stand up for myself. I've mm-hmm. always said, and I've always been a high achiever and I've always been very professional, but at the same time, I'm not going to take people being disrespectful or not not valuing you. You know what I mean? Like I've been that way for actually a very long time. And what has been interesting in that is people have sort of labeled you kind of like, oh yeah, she's she's kind of, she's really good at what she does, but you know, it, she's difficult to work with. Mm, and yes. that is, that's not true at all. Um, and then, but consequently, when people want to then say, oh, let's interview this person to talk about this or that. They pick the people that just stay in that mold of exactly what they want them to be, yep. whether they're the most talented or not. They they pick the individual that's going to be go the status quo instead of being the person that's the smartest in the room or has the most value to add to the topic of conversation. Totally. Absolutely. But- it's comfort zone, right? Like if we are the kind of people and I was one of them, so there's no pointing fingers in that. I was one of them until 36. If I'm a person who is like really afraid to get outside of my comfort zone, Belinda, you're going to scare me. (laughs) Frankly, right? Like somebody who is okay with bucking the system and the status quo and having difficult conversations that's that is a almost like a threatening thing to somebody who feels really comfy and cozy in their security blanket of what they know. So that's why that happens, at least in my opinion, and from wow. my yeah. interviews. Absolutely. Goodness. All right. Well, let's talk about this is kind of our signature question of the show, but I I still love it. And I love to hear every single person's perspective on this because as we're about to celebrate our 500th episode, which is super exciting, we'll have that. Amazing. I know, right? And probably by the time this one airs, we'll have, we'll have crossed over that and it's pretty exciting, but I'm still always amazed and I still ask the question every single interview because it's so different and I think it's so important for people but what does working from your happy place mean to you? Yes. Well, I think from being in the the good girl cage for as long as I was, for me, working from my happy place is freedom in kind of all of its forms. And it is freedom to be the fullest expression of myself, which is this version of me who speaks up and talks about these things with the hope that we make the workplace better for for women and anyone underrepresented in the workplace, you know, doing all of those things. And it's freedom to share my gifts, to help others, to just get to live a big life of my own design, defining success according to 
my personal truth rather than what society or anybody tells me it should look like. Wow, that's great. And what advice would you give to others that maybe are wanting to follow this entrepreneurial path or are are just really looking to sort of reinvent themselves? Yeah, absolutely. I love this question so much because it goes back to what we were talking about with women, uh, speaking with women and realizing they were just knowing when it was time to walk away. And I forgot to mention this, but these were women who some of them even did, you know, spreadsheets and pro-con lists and like budgets and finance you know, financial plans for walking away and talk to other people. And all of those things are amazing, right? Like we're not throwing intellect out the door with any of this, but Mm -mm. they were still coming to this place of gut knowing that it was time to walk away. And I think that is the real key here is that trusting that you have the full scope of your intelligence is both cognition and intuition. And you want to harness the power of both of them. We've built a society and workplaces that really worship mental prowess. And there's nothing wrong with like good, strong rationality and great brains. Like that's all a beautiful thing. But what we've done as a result of that is that we've really kind of done intuition a a disservice Mm -hmm. by pushing it more into the backseat rather than allowing them to be these two kind of systems working harmoniously for us to guide us forward. So that's my advice is like tune back into that part of you that just knows sometimes that doesn't mean you don't, you don't gut check, you don't sense check, you don't, you know, use rationality and logic to, to strategize and create plans and execute and all those things. But like, there's a part of you that is really amazingly brilliant at what's right for you trust that part. I just, I love that. Thank you. And I, you said something that sparked uh, something I just want to talk about in this conversation, because this is huge, I think. And I've had this happen recently with a, with a couple of individuals. I am a huge advocate of knowing your numbers, like knowing your sales numbers, knowing oh. your, your, your household numbers, like knowing it. And I've been blown away recently. First of all, women have a very difficult time with this. They're afraid of it. And I'm not really, I've never been able to completely pinpoint. I need to Mm. chat with some more women on mindset around money, but women are just afraid to track the numbers. And so it was really interesting because I was having a conversation with two different women over the last month. So this has been recent that were like, oh, I just, I, I need to quit this job and I just don't know. And I financially, we can't handle it. And I'm like, well, how do you know? Do you know? that you can't do you know what you actually need to handle it and they're like well I you know they kind of have hot around and I'm like you should really sit down and do a complete budget of where the money is going because people are like I don't ever want to have a budget and I'm like well don't call it a budget then but an, an, (laughs) an analysis of like how much money do we really need bare bones to pay the bills and then of course we'd like to have that extra but can I really afford to leave or not to leave because people are feeling so trapped. Yes. And it was so interesting. In both of these cases, both of the women came back and said, we have more money than I realized. Oh, wow. So powerful. Well, and that is like the perfect example, Belinda, because that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like they, they're saying to you, they're verbalizing that they want to quit their jobs. That is the knowing. That is the knowing. And so then we sense check it with the intellect, the rational exercises, like you said, of, of making sure the finances are there. 
there. And the two work together to create the full scope of our decision-making intelligence to guide us forward. So I love those examples so much. Wow. So in closing, what are some exciting, new and exciting things you're working on and how can our listeners find you and follow you? Yes. Well, so Raise to Rise is becoming a book, which I'm really excited about, that's going to be a guide on how to unlock the power of walking away in your career, especially for women. And it walks you through those six steps of the walking away process and gives you a toolkit on how do you actually take those steps, like even what you're talking about here, Belinda, like making the financial plan, doing all of the necessary logistical things to be able to walk away and architect your career from a a place of greater purpose and intentionality moving forward. And then you can also visit Raise to Rise, and that's Raise as in R-A-Z-E, as in like burn it down (laughs) to build it back up bigger and better than ever. So Raise to Rise.com, I've got a quiz on there to help you figure out if you are ready to quit your job. And And it airs conservatively because I deeply believe, even though I am known as the the kind of the conscious quitting uh, advocate, I deeply believe that we should be really smart about these things and um, and make sure we have all our ducks in a row. So you can take that quiz and check it out. And you can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn as Sarah J. McElroy. I'd love to hear more stories or connect with anyone who's interested in this because together we are changing the face of the workforce with these kinds of conversations. And I deeply believe a rising tide lifts all boats. It's not just a boon for women that we're having these discussions. Mm-hmm. It's a boon for men or, you know, however you identify gender wise, like this is all of us together building a better future of work. Absolutely. Gosh, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your passion. That's what's really coming across here and your wisdom and being an advocate for other women. But like you said, for everyone in the workforce that just wants to be valued and wants to work, but work in an environment of where they are appreciated. So thank you so much for doing that. And thanks for being here today. Thank you so much, Belinda. It's been an honor. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We know that you have a choice of where to spend your time. We're so delighted that you've chose to spend it with us today. Please leave a rate or review. We appreciate that so much. Follow or subscribe so you don't miss a single great episode. And the greatest form of compliment that you can give Sarah or myself is to please share this with a friend. Help us to keep the message of what it means to work from your happy place. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us at Work From Your Happy Place. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends and be sure to rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher. For a free gift on finding your own happy place, please visit workfromyourhappyplace.com and click on the free audio button. Thanks again for listening. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.